listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. We just want to send a special thank you to all of the people who went to patreon.com slash 9to5cc to show us some support. We love each and every one of you almost as much as we love podcasting. What do we talk about on today's episode of 9ES? We start it off with Keith's terrifying childhood. Then oh. we talk about deep adaptation, Far Cry 5, The Good Place, and then... We talk about a boy and his dog, the legend of the Titanic, the get into the best movie ever where mm-hmm. the boys give me some real work to do. Definitely the best movie ever, man. Real contender. And uh, we top it off with a little chit-chat about Mad Magazine. Mm-hmm. All this and more on 90S. Twenty minutes talking about pop you weren't ready to stuff. press a button. I wasn't. That was ready. what was happening. Well, here. what actually I'm not ready to press a timer up on. That's your whole fucking job is to press buttons. God what? damn it! What was it? The Bob works at a button factory. That was a song, right? Like a children's thing. Was it? Hi, my name is Bob, and I work in a button factory. I got a wife and three kids. One day, my boss came up to me and said, "He said, Bob." It sounds like busy? a Raffi song. I said, no. It sounds like so a... So push this button with your right song. hand. And then you start pushing your button with the hand. Uh-huh. And then you keep doing that, and he says, push this button with your left hand. So then the kids are, like, doing both. And, and then you push this things. button with your left hand. And oh, then like, your foot. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Everything's topsy-turvy. And then everything goes crazy. And then finally, yeah. like, the uh, the end is like, you're like, are you busy? I said, yes! And you scream at the boss, but you work at the button factory. How? Huh? Am I the only one who has had this, this memory? It's vaguely familiar. I don't, I don't think this is a memory, Keith. Uh-oh. I think this is a glitch in the Matrix. Either that or you just made it up, and you're missing your true calling as a children's entertainer. <laughs> I, remember Equally it, possible. I remember it from winter camp in grade five. Uh-huh. We had a teacher named Mr. Estale who was real good about... Uh, Mr. Estale and Mr. Wiggins were both too tall. Mr. Wiggins? Mr. Wiggins. Huh. A, I can't remember what Mr. Wiggins' first name was. Was it Bender? No. no. Uh, good one, though. Anyway, they were both really tall, which uh-huh. stuck out to me. And I always put them as, like, a pair in my mind in school because I was, like, the two tall teachers. And they both played guitar. So I was, like, they were kind of interchangeable until I actually, like, had them as teachers and realized they were different. Uh-huh. John, this is 100% a fever dream that Keith has had. <laughs> he got the measles when he was in grade five. And just I think we should encourage him to, to make more children's entertainment because then in, like, two years he'll learn to play guitar, record an album, and then it'll turn out that they're all actual songs. <laughs> <laughs> This will encourage him to, air quotes, remember more children's songs. <laughs> Maybe. And then also, Mr. Wiggins taught us uh, a couple, not Mr. Yeah, it was Mr. Wiggins who taught us uh, a bunch of Beatles songs. He really liked the Beatles. Huh. Okay. And I remember that that was, we learned to sing Maxwell Silver Hammer. I was going to say, Maxwell Silver Hammer. And ain't nothing better than a bunch, of, a bunch of 12-year-olds singing, singing about, about murder. Singing about a murder song. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like we also learned like "Hey Dude" and stuff. But Maxwell Silver ha- Maxwell's Silver Hammer really stuck out. What, such- what magic to make it such a playful, happy song about yeah. bashing someone to death with a hammer? Hey, a sing-along song. Yeah, yeah Maxwell yeah. Silver Hammer is. Oh, absolutely, because yeah. the bang, the bang, sing-along. bang, bang. Maxwell Silver Hammer came down on her True head. Genius. Yeah, love that. Made song. sure that she was dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, is it based on a real event? Like, is, was Maxwell, like, a UK, like, murderer? Because that would be, like, extra Maybe delightful. Maybe it goes in a circle, and it's another fever dream. Oh. Wait a second. <laughs> Are you guys also a fever dream? Because Scott sang along with that one. <laughs> is this whole podcast a fever dream? 
<laughs> it's just me doing multiple voices. <laughs> we should have we should have played along like we didn't know that song because then it would have gone on the album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I was wondering if Mac- I would have been okay with that, but someone on Newgrounds did a music video for Maxwell Silverhammer, and mm-hmm. I must have watched that thing like a hundred times. Really? Yeah, so just like Congrats. a little animation about it. Huh? Is it grizzly? <laughs> no, it's cartoony. Huh? Mortal Kombat-y. Yeah. yeah. Oh. But yeah, no, I was wondering if I should have looked that up while you were doing that, Phil. But if like if if Maxwell was like a famous UK like serial killer, that oh. that that song would take on an extra delightful like grim twist. I do twist. believe the most prolific serial killer of all time was a British doctor who killed something like six hundred people. Okay, but I doubt that he did it with a hammer. I think that it was just poisoning people or you know misdiagnosing them with, um, or like giving them wrong medication, whatever to put them down. Hmm. Maxwell Silver Hammer. He's looking it up. I am. I want to. I want to know. It's. Uh... He's getting no results. <laughs> it is a dream. What? <laughs> it is Maxwell Edison, major in medicine. Yeah, that we know. It is background. The background of it. He. In, he was in India in 1968. McCartney began to write the first verse of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think it was based on. Oh, I love that he was in India yeah, in 1968. Too. A lot of drugs. Mm-hmm. But, like, a lot of drugs and, like, yogi meditation. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm going to write a song, a happy song, about a murderer. Uh-huh. A <laughs> British so murderer. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so, but apparently it's inspired by the writings of Alfred Jerry. Coined the term and philosophical concept of pataphysics, which uh, he was obsessed with at the time. Pataphysics is a branch of philosophy or science that examines imaginary phenomena that exist in a world beyond metaphysics. It is the science of imaginary solutions. So this... Wait, what? Is Hold what on. Paul was thinking I know, about. I know those words went together, but the science of imaginary solutions. Uh-huh. Let's... I and mean, how that leads to the happy-go-lucky murder song. Yep, the influence is reflected in the story and tone of Maxwell's Silver Hammer. And also uh, explains how McCartney came across the word pataphysical, which does occur in the lyrics. It does occur. Yeah. Anyway, Lennon dismissed the song as more of Paul's granny's music. (laughs) 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 The Beatles, everybody. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put this out there. Mm -hmm. Paul was the best songwriter in the Beatles. Um, I mean, you're you're probably right. George did a lot of really, really good stuff too. But George, but, when he was on, yeah, was, was really, really, on. really on. But he, he was. Are not we all going to just sit best. here and ignore Yellow Submarine, guys? Ringo forever. <laughs> uh huh. I, I enjoyed Ringo's attempts. I feel like A for Effort starts with Ringo Starr. I don't think before that that was a thing that happened to kids in school. Hmm. Um. In 1994, so like way after the fact, mm-hmm. McCartney. Uh, said that the song epitomizes the downfalls of life, being my analogy for when something goes wrong out of the blue, as it so often does, as I was beginning to find out at that time in my life, while I in India, uh-huh. he infers. Possibly sick. Yeah. Um, po- Possibly not Paul. <laughs> was he Paul at this point? I don't know. I wanted something symbolic of that, so to me, it was some fictitious character called Maxwell with the silver hammer. I don't know why it was silver. It just sounded better than Maxwell's hammer. Thanks, Paul. Well, that was a pretty good segue, because we're talking about the downfall of life. Oh. And I read an enormously uh, terrifying paper that talked about um, how the adaptation that the human race must make mm-hmm. as we are failing to adapt to climate change. And um, the inevitable, not inevitable, but it was, ine- it was not inevitable up until very recently, mm-hmm. a cycle of the uh, lessening Arctic sea ice 
causing extra heat to come into the uh, system, mm -hmm. which will release methane trapped in the Arctic uh, tundra, yep. which will uh, cause a runaway greenhouse effect, magnifying the effect of the CO2 that was already in the atmosphere, mm -hmm. um, ending civilization within a near term. Yeah, and this is a well-respected environmentalist who's saying, like, and this paper was directed to other environmentalists, yeah. saying, like, we have really failed to, to, you know, assess the damage in a way that would make a meaningful impact on the world or right. on people to change their behaviors. Yep. And so now we need to think, and I think the paper is called Deep Adaptation. Deep Adaptation. Deep Adaptation. Yep. And you Google it up, dear listener. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and the the end of it is like, look, civilization is gonna gonna fall. How do we do that gracefully? How do we how do we think about these the changes that that are going to occur? Mm -hmm. Not in the sense of like preventing it because it's too late for that, but yeah. in terms of doing it uh, when minimizing the harm. Yeah, exactly. They're like the change like from uh, I did not read the entire article, but mm -hmm. I read the article about the article and I read a couple of interviews with yeah. the Jim uh, Jim Badwell. His Jim ba part ba of his ba conclusion. Ba this this is one of the concluding lines. Mm -hmm. Most people alive today will starve to death and be afraid for their security while doing so. Yep. I mean. But I feel that that is true of a lot of things. Like, just, I mean, honestly, like, not to sound, like, really, like, nonplussed about it, but just, like, think about what an eco-disaster would do to China and India, mm -hmm. right? Like, you have these massive populations with countries that do not generate massive amounts of food, and then the ecosystem will get screwed up, and then, you'll like, you have a giant, like, just India and China is going to be, what, 4 billion people? And they're also flanking the equator. Yeah, right? exactly. So they're going to bear get... the brunt of it. Yeah, you know, I... And not to say we're going to be okay in Canada. Like, Sarah and I were joking about this, uh, yeah. of being like, if if Canada could fend off invasion, right? we'd be, re like, let's say we'd be okay. Yeah. We wouldn't necessarily be fine or whatever, but it's like, but it's Canada produces more food than we consume and produces more energy than we consume. So somehow we could build the giant protective bubble over Canada. Right. But that's not the case because we're no. super close to... 350 like, million gun-toting climate refugees. And it's also like not that far of a boat trip for like a Chinese fleet to just show up in Vancouver and whatever. Like It's like there's yeah. all kinds of things that would go wrong of being like, hey, Canada, give us your sweet, sweet, sweet natural resources yeah. and power. And then we'd be like, well, here you go. And then we'd be so like... What you're saying is scorched earth. The only way to protect Canada is to make sure Canada is inhabitable. I guess. I mean, we're, Love it. we're already well on our way to that, right? In the last 20 years, we've actually increased our, our CO2 emissions, right? Mm. All of the stuff we've done, other people have done to reduce their own personal consumption has done nothing because of the tar sands, which are yeah. increasing yeah, CO2. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right, you know? Hooray, thanks. I mean, the one, the one point of light in all of this that I can think of is that the ratio of square kilometers in Canada to the ratio of voters mm -hmm. is better in terms of protecting the land than anywhere else in the world, right? 35 million voters and 10 million square kilometers, one-fifteenth of the world's yeah. surface, is our, under our purview. So if we wanted to, and really like, only 50% of people vote anyway. Yeah, well, right? a little and bit more. Than I think they said it's about 15 million. So, yeah, and we're 20. So, million. then we really need like 7 million people to vote green. Yeah. And that sounds ridiculous, but that's a very small number of people, you know? And if you can really Im impress upon people that this is like the last real election before yep. things get fucking crazy, maybe something could happen. And that, and the, the worst part of all this is that the something that needs to happen is like a ban on meat consumption and a ban on combustion engines for personal use. And yeah. um, like an army, two or three million people sent to the north to put forests as a carbon sink. Yep. And that stuff might delay the onset of really severe global warming for a couple of years yeah. for some technology to show up or whatever. I think it would be potentially like, because again, your plan 
is just making us even more ripe for invasion. <laughs> well, <laughs> if we just if we just juice up Canada. But I think like the the bigger piece would be if you had a Green Party. Let's say, let's say if you have seven point whatever million people who actually vote for Green Party, the Green Party yeah. would legitimately have a majority government in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the benefit would be like not only in potentially reversing that in like in Canada, that would be you have a member of the Green Party sitting at the G8 summit. Oh, you know, totally. like, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that's like a bigger deal because like not to say Canada is not the problem. We obviously have gross problems in Canada, yeah. but it's like I'm I'm as a as a global citizen much more concerned about China and India because it's like those are four billion people who will absolutely eat it if like you don't put in the adaptation like the global adaptation necessary yeah. to to get like like I said it's that's not an reversible that's an extremely extremely good point is that yeah. the is that there will be a worldwide effect if a green party got into the power yeah. in one of the the G8s yeah so you know this is the time for it we got to i don't know how to how to like find an audience to start pushing this out yeah. there's a protest uh the friday that's coming up so the day after this podcast mm-hmm. goes live um in uh, at one o'clock at the TAMS, mm-hmm. right? That's supposed to be a whole bunch of the students in Montreal getting together. I'm going to take the afternoon off of work and go. God damn, that is exactly the wrong location to be taken seriously. Yeah. Well, it's, it's where it's starting, and I think it's going somewhere else after. So I don't know. And I mean, I, like there was a. <clears throat> I'm trying to think of any 50 year old person I know who wears yeah. a suit day in day out, and telling them we have this serious problem. Meet us at the TAMS. Yeah. No. It's and I mean and there, there's there was a thing that like popped up. I think. I don't know if it was on our Montreal or if it was on our Canada, which was talking about like because there there has been like an, uh, a and again I mean if you're talking about like tiny the tiniest of silver linings if you've been on our World News and all that stuff there's mm-hmm. been like a notable uptick of people pro- like environmental protests like this yeah. year or whatever yeah. I think as as stuff like this is kind of coming out I don't think it's quite like Occupy Wall Street level or whatever or, or anything but I'm like it's still like the, and people are like oh like, what are they arranging there and someone was talking about the issue in Montreal. They're like, oh, Montreal's absolutely going to protest, but the problem is, is we've protested everything. So it's like, it's hard to be like, no, 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 this one's real important. You know, and you're like, because there's going to be the public position of, you know, people in their 60s are going to be like, mm, kids are protesting again. Like, I bet you school's too expensive or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. so, it's, it's monstrously infuriating because of the fact that there's like just so many people who have no not necessarily no clue or just don't believe it what what a what a like supreme horrific irony that the people who gave us the situation are the ones who don't believe that it's real and yeah. are the ones who are going to be dead before it really impacts them, and, you know? and and by and large are still the ones in charge of every decision that, that will happen exactly. for the next 10 to 20 years you I, know like it's super screwed up i mean there's there's been many many times in history where the survival of a group of people depends on immediate perhaps even violent action yeah. right are, yeah. are we not at that point with this and uh, like are we I mean the the thing is it's if it is as dire as that the solution isn't small steps no, no right? definitely like, not and it's not oh I do uh, I bring a recyclable bag to do the groceries anymore yeah it's it's like an upheaval of global lifestyle. I started this off with a global ban of meat consumption, personal combustion engines, and the formation of armies to go to remote areas to, to replant the forests. Right. But that's, that's it. That's what's going to take. I mean, but it, it, it has to trickle down to everything. Mm-hmm. Right. So that means, but it's not, I, I, that, means would, global, I, that means global shipping stops. That yes, means that yeah. your, your, your diet has to 
drastically changed. Absolutely. And and you're talking ban of, of meat consumption. That yeah. means all the pets have to go away. You can't get eaten. Yeah. I, would, I would act, no, I mean, like, well, that, here's, here's a quick, I, but here's I a quick study see. from Forbes. Dogs and cats are responsible for a quarter of greenhouse gas emissions caused by animal agriculture. So you're talking meat eaters, but uh, if you don't eat meat and you have two dogs, yeah. like, fuck you, you're, you're just as bad. Yeah, but... Um, the thing, the thing about that though is that that means that means no no petroleum products in your clothes. That means no polyester fabrics. That means yeah. most of our houses are made out of plastic, right? Like cars, the everything. The thing about that, all of that, is to say, not to say that we shouldn't like head into that area, but the fact is, is that the other seventy five percent is still the like meat industry. Like the amount of people you need to legislate has to happen at the corporate level yeah. because your citizens doing it are gonna at most probably make up about twenty five percent of the greenhouse emissions, which absolutely we can reduce that twenty five percent, and it's not going to be like impossible. Like the, the, it was the, there was no, the, there was see, the straw again, thing, right? Again, like, they're like, but don't get rid of like they were talking to environmentalists, being like, oh, don't use plastic straws. There was environmentalists like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It does not matter if you use a plastic straw. Plastic straws as an industry could disappear <clears throat> tomorrow, and it does not matter yeah. because of the amount of pollution and whatever being generated. Well, I by just I just read a study, and um, I think it was Harvard had done a series of ocean water collections to test for plastic levels. Yeah. And they were totally expecting to see lots of microplastics. Yeah. Um, things from like shower gels. Yeah. yeah. Those yeah. little scrubby beads. Mm -hmm. They were like this. It was banned in the States in 2015, but that stuff was terrible bad. And what they found out that most of the plastic that they found in the water that mm -hmm. made the ocean toxic yeah. in, in all kinds of samples was from microfibers from every uh, pair of leggings that you've ever put through a washing machine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just, it doesn't ever break down, mm -hmm. and they're super tiny, and they go from your washing machine into the river, into the ocean, and don't get caught by water treatment. Like, <laughs> Amazing. Just, it's just, you're doing yoga in your Lululemons, and you're destroying the environment. Yeah, right. You're, you're wearing a, a winter coat that isn't made of cotton or wool, mm -hmm. and you've washed it. You're destroying the environment. Yeah. You bought a toque at the dollar store. You have mittens that aren't yeah. wool but, mitts. Like you've uh, yeah. you've done it again. Again, though, all of the consumerism in the world, which I'm not saying should not be regulated. I'm just saying is still like fractions of what say fracking is doing, tar sands are doing. Like it's like what corporations are doing. Is but but it's not. That's that that is the plastic that is in the ocean that is made yeah, but, toxic but microfibers that's, that, that's one problem but the plastic but the in the ocean is global nearly, warming yeah like yeah, yeah but, and they're yeah. saying plastic in the ocean is is compared to say when there's you know oil in the ocean you're like yeah. uh if i'm going to pixies not plastic, plastic plastic in the ocean kills ocean life which stops the the life cycle from yeah. releasing yeah, oxygen yeah, yeah. into the air again like it, there's like there's all sorts of A things but the, the the reality of it is that I think that consumers and citizens changing their habits is like such a small piece of the pie. Not to say it's small enough that you should ignore it, but it's like if the legislation doesn't go in to change the way like things are sold to us, like for instance, like, like oh, if you're a consumer, stop buying leggings. You know what? That's not actually going to happen because the reason people buy cheap leggings is because they're poor and they buy cheap leggings. Like you have to remove cheap leggings Here, from here's the equation. The thing. Yeah. You know what the, I mean? Like the only like, way that those leggings to, you have to remove plastic, plastic as right. As right. The only way that happens is from legislation at the top because you yeah. Yeah. because it's it. Like you as a consumer could stop buying it, but it has to stop being available to yeah. you to buy it. Like for instance, like fossil fuels and whatever. You as a consumer could stop doing oh, fossil fuels. Yeah. It needs to stop being mind out of the ground <laughs> fundamentally the problem with the whole picture all of these things comes back to 
the cost of things in our world does not include the cost of cleaning them up. Right. Right. And, yeah. and that's like a fundamental miscalculation in our entire capitalist system, which might might work if everything that you bought had the actual cost of its impact on the world. Yeah. You know, like if, if oil, maybe there's a, there's like a $10 per gallon or something price where you are actually factoring in the damage that it's yeah. going to do. And then, and then that's okay. People can buy it for that, but there's going to be way less used and the market's going to correct itself. Mm-hmm. Bringing it back to deep adaptation, though, you said um, maybe we're going to only have to eat cl- stuff that's local. Like that's one of the big parts of, of the paper at the end is like mm-hmm. people have to figure out how to grow stuff around them and then eat only that. And diets are going to change all the world over. Mm-hmm. The, um, that, mean, that means like if you look at an orange, you have to say never again. Yeah. And you have to sell that to everyone in a way that will, they will vote for people who will make that the law. Yeah. Or you charge $20 for an orange. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, but, but you can't. Because if you charge $20 for an orange and there's a demand for it, those oranges go on trucks, those oranges go on boats, but it, and if, that still destroys but, the world. No, but the, thing is, but the thing is you need to fund your 20 million trees that need to get planted up north. So $15 of that orange goes into actual well, like, cleanup process. You can buy a guilt-free orange. So, so actually, it doesn't, that doesn't go to the like, – you understand what I'm saying? Like a $20 orange is like 95% tax, which is going to be used subsequently for all those things. Yeah. So it's like you have to put in profit somewhere. Right. If you just say, "Oh, it's all gone," the companies are going to be like, "What?" So and the no, company should stop say. existing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But if, I'm just saying, but like, I don't have a problem with a twenty dollars orange if fifteen of those dollars go into like environmental relief. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's the like if that's where my money is going, then mm. okay, we're going to ship a way smaller quantity of oranges, and piles of this money are going to go into the cleanup process because the know, money needs again, to go into the cleanup process somehow. You know where that money should come from? It should come from Saudi Arabia and the U.S. and the other oil-producing nations who yeah. are sitting on gigantic troves of money. Yeah. And like. In a sense, they should be incentivized to do this because Saudi Arabia is already a desert. Well, in very soon it's going to be an absolutely uninhabitable desert yeah, yeah. when the when the temperature goes up another couple of degrees. I don't remember if it was a quote actually from Deep Adaptation or just one of the articles I read uh, about, it. Uh, about yeah. it or whatever, where, where someone was just talking about. It. He's like, he's like the billionaires don't care because they feel like they're protected. But he's like, who's going to protect you when the guys that you're paying to surround your like compound with machine guns if their families are starving? Yep. <laughs> and you're like, how are those billionaires going to fare now? You know, and I'm like, and they'll, I think they'll be fine. You think? Yeah. Here's that's what's going to happen. You're going to get twenty dollar oranges. If you say oranges are fine and transporting them across the ocean is fine from Australia, and that's fine. And you want bananas from Thailand, and that's fine. Mm. Then only billionaires will eat oranges and bananas. Yeah, but now then, the families of their guards are starving. They will pay enough people to keep them safe. I don't know. And then they will starve yeah, everyone but, else. They're at a certain point, those guns get turned on you. I'm not saying we might all be gone and starved to death by it happens, but at a certain point, those guns get turned on you. When they see you sitting there with your $20 oranges and every one of their family members and cousins and nieces and nephews and whatever are starving in the streets of Saudi Arabia, those guns get turned on the billionaires. That is just like... I, I feel like there will be enough money slash oranges to pay the $5,000 the 5,000 people with AK-47s to protect you. I don't know, man. Okay, we could go at this forever. I want to. I want to end this little segment on that note, right? There, our, our votes mm. in Canada mm-hmm. right now are more potent to affect the future of the world than mm-hmm. any vote anywhere else ever, mm-hmm. right? We have more land per per vote in Canada. This this next election, this is this is the opportunity. We have, like nobody else has the power, and our votes really fucking matter. Mm-hmm. We can protect the North. I mean, I would also argue, and I mean, and again, to to put a to put a, a, a hopefully an optimistic slant on it, there is no, I think, 
better election where like all parties are in shambles. Yeah. Do, do, do yeah. you know what I mean? Like like where it's like like the NDP is like a, a, a trash fire right now. The Liberals are under all kinds of uh, like They've scrutiny been it and, up. And, and getting yeah. and, and, like like outside of how, going how the, back on voter how reform. How the Liberals could do it again is amazing. Like, Fuck it up. Do, do we be want to involved, talk about Wilson uh, Rabo? Just just for them to be involved in another fucking political influence with a major company scandal. Yeah. Again, like this was what fifteen years ago with Paul Martin and twenty years ago with Cretchen. Like yeah. it just happens again. Yeah. And so again. I, I actually think it is possible that this one is a little more manufactured than people are giving it. Of course for. it is. Now, but it's. Are, are we shifting over to this? Yeah. Right no, wait, 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 just, if you want. Like, to. But anyway, but I was saying. So all I have to say have, is that. It, have at least the, the foreknowledge to have research PR people who can explain it well to everyone. They have not done a good job, but on there's a CBC interview on Sunday that had um, like a woman, former lobbyist, somewhere. I don't exactly remember what she was involved, but she said like, look, if if Jody had made an official decision, she could have announced it, right? Mm-hmm. And she did not do that. Yeah. And if she if the attorney general has not announced the decision. Clearly, she's still fucking thinking about it. Yeah. And and then the whole story that she testified about, and I watched the whole four-hour thing. Mm-hmm. The whole the whole the whole time that she was going back and forth with members of the Liberal Party, she could have announced it, and she did not do so. Yep. That leads you to believe she's still ready to make change or ready to take new information, yep. which is what the Prime Minister's office was doing. Now, yep. I, I don't doubt for a single second that he wasn't trying to influence her decision. Obviously, he was. But in a sense, like his argument is, my job is to influence this thing. When yeah. it is in the defense of public interest, which yeah. in his opinion it was, you can argue yes or no that yeah, it was or wasn't. Yeah, yeah. But it's a good argument. You yeah, know? Yeah. There, there's something like it's and just I mean, completely unclear. Yes. To everyone. Yes. It yeah. takes work to get to that point. Yeah. And without yeah. without an appropriate relations me- message, yeah. marketing message, yeah, you just you just look like you're muddying the waters. Yeah. yeah. And and they definitely did during the um, during uh, I forget the, the word the hearing question period yeah, yeah during the question period like the liberals kept point poking at her in a in a way that was counterproductive to their own goals like they were they were being nitpicky when they could have just presented this in a big you know in a yeah. general way like the argument is compelling you didn't say you made a decision so we thought we were still okay to talk to you mm-hmm. you know yeah. yeah. Uh, do we want to get all? Yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. I was going to just say so. NDP is a trash fire. The liberals are under all kinds of scrutiny yep. and lied to us about electoral reform. <sighs> and I like would hope that I mean like and again I don't know enough about the prairies I suppose, but I would hope that Andrew Shear doesn't resonate with most of us. Do you know what I mean? He's like so a little it's, mini Trump. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And but like in Canada, where you're just sort of like what? Like, yeah. but again, uh, there's old people in Canada too, I guess. Uh, but yeah, so like this is also like an election where if you were going to have a, a sweeping a upset reform, victory, yeah, 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 yeah. like th- this would be prime time to do it. Um, so I uh, listened to, like I said, read a bunch of deep, deep adaptation stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and then subsequently I've been playing a lot of Far Cry Five. Okay, and so now I have a deep adaptation like lens on my experience in Far Cry. Don't 5. you just run around murdering animals? I mean, sometimes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's part of Far Cry. Uh-huh. So Far Cry 5, I don't know, uh, came out last year. I don't know if we've probably talked about it. I like Far Cry in general. Yeah, you, you interviewed the, uh, the dude Mike from Mondo. Far Cry 3. I interviewed uh, the Voss, Michael Mando from Far Cry 3. I also yeah. interviewed the um, game director of Far Cry 4, hmm. uh, Alex Hutchinson. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Far Cry 5 came out, and it's like Far he Cry. St- he stole locks of both of their hair, and he has it up. In his it. It's on the wall. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, 
so Far Cry typically the the game always takes place in usually like way out there kind of places. Like Far Cry Two is uh, sort of centered around like a Blood Diamond situation somewhere. If people know what Far Cry Two is about, god damn it, move what's along. Far Cry Three. Talking about, about five. Five. Tell three, me about five. Three takes place in like a some. I'm just. I'm, this is for context of five. Everyone has the context. It's popular knowledge. Okay. Three takes place in. It's Somalia. like mint is minty. Ooh. Four takes place in a like mountain, like isolated mountain country. Isolated mountain country. We know. Yeah. Far on. Cry Five takes place in Montana, ah, United thank States you. of America. Finally, getting to the point. God damn it, Scott. You're Tell Mr. me about Montana. Mr. Longest Pauses in History on the podcast. It's yelling at someone to get to the point. Tell me about Montana. Anyway, so it takes place in, uh, in Montana, so America. So everybody freaks the heck out about it because it was like, oh, my God, it's saying like, that the world's upside down. Uh-huh. Anyway, so the storyline. Um, Wait, let's back that up. I don't understand a word. So Everyone is freaking out about it because it's when saying it came the world out, people is upside were like, down. What is Far Cry even doing? Like it's supposed to be built backwards-ass countries with like weird dictators and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Why is it in America? And <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> Hilarious. Exactly. That's yeah. why people were freaking out when it came out. Yeah. Uh, and it's the, like they've never watched Fargo. <laughs> like, they don't understand. <laughs> and the like, the setting of it is like an unbelievable kind of stretch, which is that basically uh, these fanatic cults took over an entire. Uh, county mm-hmm. in Montana and have set up roadblocks kind of preventing anybody from ge- anybody from getting out and the reason that the army hasn't taken action is because of like religious freedoms and like the perception from the outside it was apparently like yeah the- I saw wild wild country I know how this goes yeah exactly yeah. and but and like the devs kind of apparently like one of the jumping off points obviously it's like cranked to 11 and insane yeah. like one of the jumping off points was that weird standoff that I want to say happened in Oregon back in what was like 2008 like, the remember White Pine Ridge or something yeah, like that yeah, or like, yeah. like the militia just like hung out and it's like yeah the army could easily just go in and take this over, but it's American citizens, so what are we even doing if we do? It wasn't a whole militia, though. It was like, it was like one family in a cabin, and then the whole army showed up, and they got, there was a standoff, and they murdered the woman. It was crazy. Well, no, but I think this was one of the ones where they didn't murder anybody. Okay. okay. Possibly to avoid... And like, they yeah. have a terrible... Like, if you look at the, the Camp Davidians, and you look... Maybe that situation... Like, like there's a very bad precedent of what happened. So, yeah. like, there's, yeah. like, that, that, like, thin sliver of, like, maybe the army wouldn't go in immediately. But while there's still a t- ton of people in this remote county in Montana that are not part of the cult. Right. So that is the setting of Far Cry 5. Okay. Uh, but it's, so it's a bunch of people that are living in Montana, and even the non-members of the cult are all, like, weird, like, off-the-grid preppers who are, like, all conspiracy theorists and all that stuff. So playing it with deep adaptation in mind, I'm mm-hmm. like, maybe this is, like, about to happen, where you're going to have these weird, like, isolated preppers and a weird cult thing, and, like, you just gather up all these stockpiles and stuff to, and then, like, Half the houses in Far Cry 5, like, you go into a house and they all have bunkers underneath them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whatever. So, yeah, I've put a – my mind is like my brain cannon has put a little spin on it being like, maybe Far Cry 5 is like – The near future. The near future and not just like a weird fantasy set telling of what happens if a cult takes over. Anyway, Far Cry 5 is a lot of fun. Yeah. They fix a lot of the Ubisoft uh, – or not fix, they – like – Tone it down. They tone down a lot of the Ubisoft um, staples. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no like tower missions to unlock maps and whatever. The there's no you do kill a lot of animals, but it's not like in previous games where you have to like kill specific animals to make specific bags so that you can hold more items. Like, it's just like yeah, if you want to go hunting and stuff, it's part of the game. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of the more lucrative parts of the game. Like, you can make good cash hunting and stuff. It's also fishing and whatever, but like, it's not at all mandatory like you're never gonna have to like you need to do this crafting mission you're like no i could just so you've played all of the far cries i think uh-huh. you've played all of them uh most of them. how does this rank uh-huh. um i would say so it's weird as an open world it's one of 
my favorite open world games I've kind of ever played. Mm -hmm. It does a couple things really intelligently, which is that it opens up the in the entire map is open to you right from the get go, and it's like so here's the cult leader, and there are three major like lieutenants of the cult leader. They each control a region of the county. Just go get them, tiger. <laughs> and you can do them in any order, and you can do them. You can like go halfway through one, and then like switch over to the other. Like even if you lock into a, a region, you're never stuck there. Like if you do like half of whatever like half of the northern region you can go down and do half of the southern one without completing it like right. you never like commit to an area you just fly around and do whatever or drive around and walk around do you have a little bicocopter like four uh you have planes you have helicopters you have <laughs> is there an option just to like live like you were living in montana you probably could. Like you could. There, there's a lot of like. There's like instead of Far Cry Five, it's Montana Simulator. <laughs> you could probably do no. I'm like like and like the if you if you wanted to like accumulate a great deal of wealth, you could just go hunting and fishing a mm -hmm. lot. And as long as you like <clears throat> avoid the cultists who will shoot at you, retire Montana, the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just hang out and hunt and fish a bunch. One of the things that is very cool uh, about it that people kind of I think knocked when some of the reviews that I read, but I actually think it's neat so when you're in a region like for this lieutenant there's like resistant points mm -hmm. and story elements happen at certain like resistant point thresholds okay so how you get to those thresholds is up to you like if you decide to liberate a bunch of outposts it'll be that if you decide to hunt a bunch of the like the vips of the cult it'll be that if you want to like help out a bunch of the preppers and stuff it'll be that so it's like how to get to the, and then when it happens a story element sort of like takes over triggers, and then yeah. and triggers and then you have to deal with like a story mission kind of like mandatory which that was kind of it's kind of a neat very like open world like just do your thing man and then if you do enough of the stuff the story triggers like you don't have that weird thing that happens at a lot of open world games where you're either doing the story missions or the side missions like you just head in there's a bunch of missions to do they're all over the place and you just do a bunch of missions. Cool. Go. Like like um, Grand Theft Auto, the police meter? Montana. Yeah. No, but like the police meter. If you do enough stuff, it builds to a point where they come after you. Yeah. But instead of just triggering a bunch of cop cars showing up, it like that is the thing that pushes yeah, the, like it the, triggers the narrative the story. It's like, it's like you have done enough in this area to like invoke the ire of the lieutenant, and then the next storyline element kicks on. Usually you get kidnapped or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah which I thought was like a cool solution to the open world game because you usually always have to balance that like do i do story stuff or do i or do whatever do I do but now stuff? story gets pushed when you're doing whatever yeah exactly yeah. that's it so, that's cool um i would you mentioned you mentioned the branch davidians very quickly yeah. my favorite part of that story remains the fbi bombing them with nancy sinatra's boots are made for walking yeah <laughs> i just psychological warfare man i just i love the idea that there was someone in the camp who really really like that song yeah. <laughs> just sitting there going one more time yeah from a like a technical <laughs> keep walking <laughs> just every time it came on was like yeah because <laughs> you know someone in a cult might not be the most mentally stable or like pop culturally knowledge mm -hmm. fuck that maybe Nancy it was natural was a fox no but like maybe they'd never heard it before and they're uh -huh. just like holy shit this is my jam now this is what music could be mm -hmm. um as a so far cry i would say like i mean before they died in a horrible yeah. suicide uh, fire yes. yeah exactly they but up until that die. point it was great just most of them didn't died. i get the kids out they got a bunch of well, yeah. there's apparently a good chunk that that got out anyway as an open world game it would say it rivals two which is like two is probably my favorite as an open world mm -hmm. um the thing that kind of bugs me about it 
is that so in three they had Voss, who was this weird charismatic psychopath who like had these like yeah the villains in Far Cry are always kind of developed right yeah but the thing is is that they've really leaned into like charismatic psychopath mm-hmm. which is which is like a little bit annoying because I'm like okay so it's the Far Cry thing now because like Pagan Ming in four was a charismatic psychopath and now this is like another charismatic psychopath who his lieutenants are also all charismatic psychopaths. <laughs> and I was like, man, why is everybody so good at telling these, like, weird, creepy monologues about, like, like it's just like, you're like, yeah, we, like, they're different types. Like, yeah. one of the guys is, like, believes in the power of yes, which is, like, he's like, you should just say yes to everything, man. He's like, that's how we ended up here. Mm-hmm. Like, one of them is, like, a very militant type, like, and there's the leader who's, like, super crazy, and then there's, like, a drug lady. But it's like, I was like, you can't, not every bad guy is going to sit there and have like a five-minute soliloquy about how crazy and insane the world is, and he's the one that's sane. And you're like, yeah, we mm-hmm. get it. Like I was like, I get it, and, but it's become such a cliche. Such a it's such a cliche that was like done well in three. That I'm like, it's now. I'm like, is this just part of the game? That this is like a requirement? Like I was, I like did one region with the the yes guy, and I was like, okay, so that's kind of his thing. But now I'm in the military one. And I'm like, why is the militant guy like this? The militant guy should just be like, screw you, I'm gonna kill you, and that should be his like. I would be into that. I'd be like, oh, that's his villain slant is I'm just a crazy mm-hmm. militant who's in this to kill people. He shouldn't have some greater picture. So, yeah, so story, cool. yeah, storyline-wise, I would say it's... So if you don't go, end up going to live in the woods in Montana, uh-huh. maybe you'll die and go to The Good Place. Uh, or, I was going to say... I watched 13 episodes of The Good Place. If we could just put a pause. Do you have to? Yeah, because I want to tie it into our I had show. A but I wanted to tie our into a segue. But I wanted mm-hmm. to I don't I know the good place, but I wanted to tie it into our own show and say maybe we're living in a simulation. Oh yeah, we've done that many times though. Exactly. Did, can we do that at the start of the show? When we didn't mention the simulation. I I said the glitch of the matrix. Uh, do you have anything to talk about the simulation? I'm just saying that maybe your thing is That was it. You just wanted to say simulation. That, no, but it's you interrupted up. my segue okay, to just say the word simulation. Man, can you imagine how good the Matrix would be if the architect was actually played by Ted Danson? I think it would be pretty fucking awesome. That leads me to another segue. <laughs> the Good Place. <laughs> Did you watch it? I am halfway through season two now. Oh, wow. Okay, so Dev and I finished um, season one last night. Mm-hmm. In season one, yes. spoiler free, when Ted Danson yeah. looks at the camera and smiles Magical. when the reveal happened. It's the yeah. best TV moment I've seen yeah, in a long you time. You saw that coming as of episode three. Yes, right? but, so, but his... His reveal. decision to play it that way. Yep. Just that the like. <laughs> are we still? Are we smile. St- like? I have not watched the Good Place. Sarah's watched the Good Place. Yep. But are we still pretending that there's a world where people don't have the season one of the Good Place spoiled? Because I haven't seen it, and I believe I know the spoiler, which is that the Good Place. Well, isn't... but spoiler warning. Spoiler warning I mean, for the Good Place. A show. It's, it's pretty. It's pretty freaking obvious. And though. it was like, like from what I saw, like coming yeah. and going, it was kind of. It's telegraph. pretty obvious yeah. if you're moving into the show, but if you're just like. I haven't heard of this, and I want to watch episode one. You kind of don't want it spoiled right yeah. away. So anyway, the setup of The Good Place is this lady uh, wakes up. She is, she's in front of a big sign. It says, hey, welcome to The Good Place. Then she meets Ted Dance, and he's like, hey, good job. You were a good person in your life, and mm-hmm. now you're in The Good Place. It's mm-hmm. a happy neighborhood. Everybody living here was also a good person in their life. And um, and then, you know, Welcome she, to heaven. Welcome to heaven. They never say heaven, though, which is kind of nice. No. And um, she... Uh, she's named Michael, though, Michael, right? yeah. She acknowledges at some point, and I, I don't remember what is the exact moment, but she obviously, she doesn't belong. She was a real piece of shit in mm-hmm. life, and um, and it's a comedy. Ted Danson is there, and she meets other people who are there, and then there's another person who is probably the funniest part of the show, who also did not belong there. Um, G, what's his GD. name? No, not GD. The um, the monk. Jason. Yeah, but not Jason. What was his name? <laughs> Fucking, it's so good. 
he's this guy who's like this gets you get this gets revealed in three episodes he's like a tibetan buddhist monk who took an oath of silence and did all these like good deeds and he's actually like a white boy rapper named jason who mm-hmm. is like the worst he's the worst <laughs> he's so funny though his... he's like a four loco was the best thing that happened to yeah, mankind yeah, yeah. kind of dude see when pat pat was telling me about the show yeah and he says that like jason is the absolute worst part of the show Oh where God, he's like, he's so like, funny. He's, apparently he's like all the comedy's low hanging fruit, and it's just like telegraph jokes, and we're like, we get this one so character. Here's the problem: is that I think everything on the show is kind of low hanging fruit, and it's yeah. like really high concept and really intellectually clever, and they do all kinds of good philosophical jokes, but then the, like it's a very slow paced somehow, mm-hmm. and a lot of the jokes are in fact low hanging fruit. Genuine, genuine, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like at the same time as I'm really enjoying it, I just feel like they could have done it so much better. There could have been a, like a zippier. The plots could have moved faster. The, you know, the performances are pretty good. Uh, back me up here. Um, yeah, yeah. You, are you are you with me? It's like it's, this it was could a show, have been a ten, and it's it's coming in at a seven. This was a really show good. that I would be in my office working, and Marissa started watching. Yeah. And as she kept watching it, I moved from the office onto the couch to watch it with her. Like yeah. I was like, I don't want to watch a dumb sitcom. You know, it looks pretty goofy. This that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. That was yeah. pretty funny. Okay, I'm gonna I'm come in. over and yeah, watch it with you. So everything I've heard about it was basically that it would have been gro- greatly, greatly benefited to be on like an FX or an HBO or whatever. Yeah. Like, like to, to just like crank that edge and maybe be like a smaller season of not 22 episodes and just like. Yeah, it was 13. 13? The first one. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I think maybe season two is a full thing. Anyway, yeah. But yeah, but it, it, it apparently like the best parts of it are kind of neutered by network. Yes. Sort of like. Yes. That is absolutely 100% yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's but a little. it's also still pretty out there for network. Totally. Like, it, the concept is way not made for network TV. Well... It's not friends. It's not a group of a, a mom and a dad who have to fight to raise their yeah. kid. It's not, like, a weird, wacky job environment. It's heaven and so, hell. Like, the it, in the end of the very first episode, when, like, gigantic shrimps start flying around and there's, like, when the things start going to hell and it's yeah. not, not really explained what's going on, but... Um, like there's good, not good, but there's like decent CG effects that go on, and mm-hmm. you you think you're kind of watching a Friends type of show, and then imagine if there was a sequence in Friends where yeah. like gigantic animated shrimp fly around and things start falling out of the sky. It's like very very jarring to see it in in like a network style comedy. Hmm. It's, oh, it's clever. It's yeah. clever. Clever is is where it digs in and and tries to to make its mark. But, I yeah, really want clever. him to get canceled and picked up by FX. You know, <laughs> just think think of where that show would go. Yeah, Such but if, good places. if a show like that got canceled, they would lose one or two of the actors. Oh, right? yeah, they would just be like, oh, true. we have no budget. So now Ted Danson is. I don't know, man. Dead. What if it gets picked up by Netflix? They have more that would be pretty goddamn good. Do you like when the when the demons show up and they're just like low key evil? They just make <laughs> stupid fart it's, jokes. And oh, like... it's what's his face from Parks and Rec. Oh, he's up. so good. Just like Dick. Yeah. Uh, Something Scott, Andrew Scott. Or... Oh yeah, uh, Adam Scott. Adam Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just yeah. like he's like slightly sleazy. I've, never, I've seen the episode of the Demon. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah. Parks and Rec guy also party down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Janet is one of my favorite characters. Oh, she's great. <laughs> I love you, Janet. We'll be together forever. You're my girl. Again, not a girl. <laughs> like, yeah. she's like the, the the god robot, right? She's like a god AI who just hangs around and delivers on whatever your wishes are, no matter what you ask. And she kind of becomes one of the one of the main characters. She's really really good. Anyway, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sell this thing too hard. It's good. It's funny. It's just it's it's so close to pure genius, and you almost watch it being like, oh, you know, you could have done it, guys. You're so close. It's right. worth it for that reason alone. Cool. Yeah. But like, just 
Kristen Bell and Ted Danson deliver. Yeah, Ted Danson's great. Every he's, episode. He's, and Ted Danson is the heart of the show. He's like the almost like the Kramer of the show. Like he's not the star, but he totally becomes yeah. the reason you're watching. He's like the Homer of the show. Like everyone thought Bart was the star of The Simpsons until mm-hmm. they realized it was actually Homer who was the the gem. Yeah. yeah. And that's totally what happens with the good place. They're yeah. like Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell is the star. She, this is her vehicle. This is a wait. The Michael character is actually the one that is the best. Does does he slide. does he continue to deliver in season two? Would you say it like it, it does it go up or down? The show goes down tragedy because they explain the concept in a way that had to be done for it to continue. Hmm. Like the reveal that happens in the season one finale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It it has to be explained, so they have to spend a lot of time figuring do out. They? The, what a bummer! They, they do, just left and they spend too mystery. much time. Yeah. Well, there's good comedy gold there, like when they're developing the good place yeah, to yeah. be the perfect happy place that actually makes you miserable. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, like Michael is walking around going, "Why on earth did we make every restaurant like a, a barbecue place? This is a terrible idea." It's and then. He figures out it should yeah. be frozen yogurt, and he's like, "That's amazing! It's yeah. perfect!" And they they kind of like piece it together how they made this perfect, yeah. awful place. Yeah. So it's like the opposite of the Matrix, kind of, <laughs> but I mean, also kind of like the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, but the, <laughs> you know what I was gonna say? But the Matrix is all about like you have like you accept it because it's not perfect, right? If it's making no, you, I mean, I mean, if like it's making the, you miserable, you'll like you'll reject the you'll reject the uh, the simulation. Yeah. Well, Whereas at the good place, they, the good okay. place, it's making you miserable on purpose. Right. Since we're going into full spoiler, like it's exactly that. It's, yeah. it's hell, and the reason that it is hell and it's this experiment that hell is running mm-hmm. is to make them torture themselves. Yeah. By convincing them that they're in heaven even though they all know that they don't belong in heaven and they're going to make themselves miserable for except eternity. except chidi and tahani both believed that they believe deserve to be in heaven which is kind of a great twist that they have half of the the party thinking <laughs> that they belong there and the other half not and still somehow that's great it's great I, 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 yeah, like the premise, it's delightful yeah i guess like the, the premise there is that like disney world's fun but like living there Right, <laughs> you know, like eventually you're like, what is happening? <laughs> the point, the point that gave it up to me was when that couple came in to visit Chidi and and what's her name, and um and they were like, one of them was a marriage counselor and the other one was a private eye with a specialty in reading people. I was like, nope, they're in help. This is a twist. This, this is this is them getting set up. It's I mean, so obvious. Also, like. The clown paintings in the house. <laughs> <laughs> like, the set dressers for this show have done so such much a fun, fucking yeah. good job. When they go to the medium place. Yep. That's so, that, so that girl was hilarious. She was Fuck so man. good. Do you have any cocaine? Yeah. Not, that, not, I, not that I really want any. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, watch any movies? We're, we're uh, up here. I didn't really watch any movies. Though. Really? I watched a great movie. What did you watch? I watched... A boy and his dog. 1975. 1975. Have you? Yep. Boy, do I want to talk about a boy and his dog? This movie was the was was Fallout before Fallout was Fallout. Mm-hmm. So it's a post-apocalyptic setting, not after World War Three, but after World War Four. Um, Starring Don Miami Vice Johnson. Yep. Uh, and a telepathic dog, woman sensing dog. Nice. So their their relationship is built on the fact that Don Johnson wants to rape people. Mm-hmm. And, or women specifically, and the dog can telepathically detect when there are women around. The dog cannot feed himself, and so Don runs around and steals food to feed the dog so he can find women to rape. 
Neat. The, 70s sci-fi is a special kind of sci-fi. I yeah. mean, th- this is like a dark goddamn movie. His name is Vic, and the dog's name is Blood. Divi, have you seen the poster for this film? Oh, yeah. It's I, crazy. No, but the poster makes it look like you're like, what a zany comedy. Like, I mean... That doesn't, this it is a zany comedy in it the way of Clockwork is. Orange is a zany comedy. Yes. Yeah, and actually Clockwork Orange is a really mm. good, a good comparison because the protagonist is like not – like sometimes you can kind of understand where he's coming from, but he With is definitely right a villain. He, like, yeah. he is, he is like, uh, like clearly an amoral – a person who has grown up in the apocalypse and wanders around doing amoral things. And the story focuses on him finding a girl who is, like, willing to have sex with him, which he does. And then she says, you got to come and go down into the caves underneath the, the radiated wilderness. And he gets brought down there. And there's, like, a secret population of people trying to recreate America from the, like, 1800s in this crazy, dystopian, twisted kind of way. And they can't make children anymore, so they want to use him to, to breed all of their women. But not by actually having sex with them, by extracting his semen and then artificially inseminating them all. Do I spoil the end? I mean, I guess it's a, it's a 40-year-old I mean, year old this movie. whole movie is nuts. Yeah. And, yeah. and then... And then it's like almost mm. like a 45-year-old movie. Yeah. And then, and then on the way out, like, he flees out of the place and brings the girl with him. And then on the way out, uh, he finds Blood, who was left out on the surface. And, and Blood is like, oh, I'm starving to death. You know, there was Blood no... Blood is f- the dog? Blood is the dog. There, okay. there was no way for me to get out. And, 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 and then he kills the girl and feeds him to Blood. Feeds her to blood and then wanders on his way, having a nice little adventure with his dog. So the poster for this, yes, uh, has the titular boy, a door opening to a vault, okay. as I guess the titular dog. Yeah, uh, in a uh, a sexy naked lady in negligee, just kind of like lying down sleeping, perhaps. Yeah. And it says, "The year is 2024, a future you'll probably live to see." I mean. Then it says a boy and his dog. Really comes right back. Then it says a boy and his dog. An R-rated, comma rather kinky tale of survival. Yep. And then it also says on the poster, "No one admitted after performance starts. It has to be seen from the beginning." On the poster. Huh. I don't know if this was enforced. Not sure why that would be. Yeah. Because. like, I mean, otherwise of, you'll miss the context of the psychic dog guiding around Boy Don Johnson. Rapist. To, yeah. But, but like, this movie that, also jumps all over the place. Like, there's a scene where he gets mixed up with, like, crazy wasteland punks. Yep. At the, is it drive-in? There, yeah, there is a scene that happens at a drive-in. Yeah. Like, so the, 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 the place where all of this story happens is in Phoenix, where Phoenix has been covered by mud. Mm-hmm. And so there's like a lot of people who dig around to find food or they dig to find whatever. And then sometimes they find buried, buried buildings that you can go down into to explore and find right. stuff. So it's like very – like the humor, a lot of stuff. So Vic is a character in Fallout 2. Um, Vic calls blood dog meat at one point to make fun of him. And dog meat is the name of your pet dog in Fallout. Yeah. It's like – they very much drew the, the the comedy and the tone of this whole thing, and even the idea of vaults and, and secret societies living yeah. under there. Mm-hmm. Mad Max had a dog. Oh man, this is like Mad Max through yeah, and through yeah. and through. It's plus definitely. Death Race, plus Zardoz, yeah. plus Zardoz in a lot of ways. In that weird man, is this still happening? Is this movie still going on? Yeah. Like, <laughs> whoa, yeah. It it. It's all over the place. This freaking movie. What does it say? Like, how do you how do you recommend this? It's 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 funny. It's dark. It's heavy. But if if you're not a fan of Death Race of Zardoz, yeah, I feel this is like Roger, yeah. Ro- if you did like Roger Corman. Like it's not as bad as Roger Corman, but it's definitely difficult. <laughs> But just not in the same way. I feel Roger Corman is like out to offend you on purpose. Where as this is like intentfully being. 
don't know. I don't know. Death Race 2000 was on... on That's fair. Death Death Race is pretty approachable with some weird side tracks, like when they're in having supper together and they all freak out. Wait, wait, wait. I'm mixing up Roger Corman with um, uh, Toxic Crusader. What was that guy? Um, Uh, Lloyd Kaufman. Lloyd Kaufman. That's right. No, no, no. Roger Corman, like Death Race 2000, uh, Gigagagas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is is not far off of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it kind of meanders like a lot of those drive-in 70s sci-fi movies do. Like in, yeah. like in Gas, where there's just like the lady on the motorcycle driving around naked and whatever, and you're like, all right, this is there happening it is. now. Or um, uh, even, even A Clockwork Orange, you like you remember that for the iconic scenes that Kubrick put together? Yeah. But that movie's kind of all over the place, too. Yeah. There's long parts of that movie that you have just forgotten about because you can't absorb all 95 minutes of it. Yeah, one of the prime criticisms that I read about A Boy and His Dog, and is a pretty fair one, is that the pacing is all over the place. There's like a, the halfway mark where he goes down into the vault with the with the secret society. Mm-hmm. It's like it slows down, and it, you're you're like, what are they what are they doing here? Yeah. Long sequences of them marching band playing these people with like powdered wigs and painted up faces. It's real, real fucking weird. I mean, sounds pretty cool. Anyway, this is totally worth a watch, though. If you want, like, an old-school movie that was clearly very influential and massively offensive and, um, like, a dark, funny Mad Max. I'm trying to figure out how... If you, have, if you have a Roku, I know it's on the Shout TV app. It's on Shutter. It's on Shutter. It's on Shutter. It's on Shutter. Yeah. But on the Shout TV app on your on Roku, it's a free watch, awesome. and they also have the director's commentary. Oh, I would love to fucking watch Sh- that. Shout TV has. Uh, is a streaming service that's free. It's like ad supported. So you mm-hmm. watch a couple ads at the start and then it shows you the movie. Yeah. And they have started categories of director's commentaries of films. And I was like, Ooh, that is smart. Yeah. So I'm trying really to look cool. for, for films that we have on the list in the same era. Yeah. I have dragon slayer from 1981. <laughs> mm, I didn't actually see that Scott. You're going to have to similar. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean that kind of like dark stalker, 1983, John ha- Scott had to say rapey. <laughs> Deathstalker. Oh yeah, Deathstalker. Deathstalker. Yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, you you could make that criticism about this movie that there there's a character who is an unrepentant, gleeful rapist, mm-hmm. and that immediately drops it to the bottom of the list. But I feel like he was not meant to be a protagonist and was meant to be like a ve- a vessel for the the horrors of war. Right. You know. So I, would I put this movie above or below Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom <laughs> Menace? It's really hard to say. There's an awful lot of rape. <laughs> I, again, no, I think seen... I think a lot of that happens. It's it's despicable, but a lot of it happens in the same way. A Clockwork Orange, yeah, is despicable. Like you're not taking Alex as the hero and being like, what he does is fine if you look at it from the time. Like, no, he's a bad character doing yeah. bad things. Yeah. It's not like um, uh, what are you talking about here? The first movie we made you watch for the bad movies. The but the the black, the black face, the black face one. one. Yeah. It's not like they you just have to take it for what it is at the time. They didn't know it was offensive. Yeah. Like they knew he was a bad character when they wrote it and cast it and scripted it. Like right. they, they, Yeah. Uh seeing another wolf cop also. It's uh, better than another wolf cop. Okay. Uh again the the concept is higher. Oh, hold on a second here. I'm I'm just going to start off the bidding, okay, at number 125, in between Dune and above Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. 
I mean, I, I could see that. It's if it's going to go higher than that. Is the There's a problem. But, like, keep going down, okay? The Art of the Steel was fucking awful. Baywatch, blech. It's, I, would, I would go higher than that. Yeah? Higher yeah. than Doom? I would, I would go higher than Gone in 60 Seconds, the 74 version. Mortikai? Boy, that's an old chestnut. <laughs> um, I, I'm looking up at, like, warm bodies and that kind of weird... Wow. Above Legend? Boy, a lot of people like Legend. No, no, Legend is a good spot for it. That's oddly comparable. It, isn't it, though? <laughs> so, um, I, so, that's good. I yeah. can't honestly say Suicide Squad was better than any, <laughs> any movie, but there it is. <laughs> um, that's the re-rank Suicide Squad. I know. I, mean, like, I, don't, I think Hellboy is the ceiling. It's, I agree. I agree. I would not. It's not I going above de- Hellboy. Definitely wouldn't go there. So would you put it above Suicide Squad? I could take it or leave it. Suicide. I, I don't think. I would put it probably under Legend. Okay. I'm all right with that. So I would be, uh, I'd be hard pressed to. I mean, I haven't seen this film, but like, Legend for as much of a trash fire as it was. Many was like, people love that. movie. Many people love that movie, and it's still and like it's, it's still shot by Ridley Scott. Like you yeah. can still pause the movie at almost any point and set whatever you pause it onto your wallpaper on your computer. Like, yeah, it's a beautiful movie. Yeah. <laughs> so like, there's an artistic merit I think that Legend might have that A Boy and His Dog does not. Great, I love it. Below Legend, above Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension. <laughs> I feel like a boy and his dog did very well. It did on this, to get to that spot. Like um, it sounds like it's low down the list, but it's a top-heavy it list. Well, I was like, it is a, it is a mid nineteen seventies movie about. Look, I'm I'm going to acknowledge. It sounds that like it's certainly an exploitation film. Like by kind of there's there's like yeah there's a bit of like exploitive nudity, but not nearly as much as you would expect in this, and not as much as in some of those uh, some other movies in the same genre, mm-hmm. like, and the like Turkey is, Shoot or whatever. And yeah. the concept is way out there. And I think also I. Love dearly Fallout One and Fallout Two, and so I can't, I can't, you know, it gets immediate pops for the association <laughs> with that. It's what nineteen seventy two, yeah, way out there for that. Oh yeah, yeah. Like Star Wars is still a couple years away, and for them to be like, we're the new sci fi adventure, though. yeah, right. Like Star Wars is three years away, so that's something that like yeah. Lucas was around for when he was that's writing point. laser yeah. swords and and evil empires, but yeah. The, a boy and his dog is like, well, it's an acid trip uh, for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Do we have a movie to deliver to Scott? We do have yeah. a movie to deliver to dun, Scott. Dun, dun. Oh, um, man. So we like so we actually went back and forth on this quite a bit, and we kind of locked it down to two films. I'll talk about the film that we mm-hmm. didn't select, and 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 I think that we have to potentially address this as a group as to why we didn't select this film. <laughs> well, well, that's nobody... why you didn't want to select this film. Yeah, exactly. I still think that what? it should be his responsibility <gasps> to make it entertaining. Exactly. And that, that's why. I will tell you why I did not want to select this movie. Okay. Yeah, there's um, an Italian-based anime or something. From 1999 from, yes. called The Legend of the Titanic Yeah, that is an animated romance story involving singing anthropomorphic animals um, and people on the Titanic. And then and the Titanic actually Ooh. got dra- dragged down by like an octopus or something, and most of the plot line has to do with Atlantis. Yes. Now, the thing about this film, Scott, is that it is yep. not the movie you are watching. <laughs> it, makes a chi- okay. it makes a children's delightful adventure of the Titanic. But apparently... The greatest sea tragedy. But apparently but they, but they don't even really deal with the sea tragedy or whatever, because they all end up in Atlantis or whatever. Yeah, they like, go on a fun adventure with talking fish yeah, and exactly. mice. Talking mice so all over the place. The, the problem with this film as far as I could see from looking at other reviews of it, and why I was opposed to it, which, I mean, we can head into this territory if we want to. I'm just saying that I was like, every review that I looked at it was like, it's bad and irredeemably bad. And I feel that with these films, there should be something to, like, chew up. And I thought that was the point, was that you're supposed to sell these terrible movies as though they were great. be like... 
Yeah. Oh yeah, no, that's it, man. There's a giant friendly octopus that yeah. destroys the Titanic. <laughs> His name is Tentacolino or something. Yeah. And like. in fact, the sequel, right, is is Tenta- is in in Italian was Tentaclino. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tentaclino. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so it's so I don't know what your your, your thoughts, Scott. Like I, like when I read reviews of it, they're like it's not even funny. It's just a, it's just poor animation. Yeah. It's all over the place. You can watch this movie for free on YouTube. Oh yeah, and the sequel. And the sequel. If you're really like, into it, I literally clicked around and like couldn't find twenty entertaining seconds by watching it for five or six seconds. But it doesn't have to be entertaining, I, right? They're supposed no, to sell it. I get it, but I'm like, how much could you draw out of like like? And where I come back to was Jason Bourne. Where Scott was like, there isn't even anything to talk about. It was just dull and flat and garbage. And I was like, that's I, I, you know what I mean? And that's what I would be afraid of if, you, if we, as the duo assigning to that person, if we assign them, like, dull, flat garbage. I could talk for an hour doing? about how terrible Jason Bourne was. And I bet you <laughs> it would be a more interesting hour than any hour of the <laughs> Jason film, Bourne. Jason Bourne. And I, he knows. You know. And I'm right. Maybe. Because cause if you're going to do good film analysis, not that we do, but we try. Yeah. And um, here's, yeah. here's, here's the thing, because we're talking about Jason Bourne again. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Matt Damon is an interesting person. I, do. I feel like he's yeah. a good orator. He's a good storyteller. And I don't know why he let that happen. Oh, because it all happened behind the camera. He had no idea he was not making a Jason Bourne like one of the earlier ones. And it was all uh, on the editing room floor. The oh. shit getting cut up and shaky cam zooming in all day long and the shitty soundtrack beating up every scene. He had no idea. I really hope he's mad about it. I hope so, too. He should be. And if he isn't, <laughs> I've done my respect. I mean, I, mean, I guess he never it. saw it. I guess someone told him <laughs> it was really bad and he was like, okay, fuck that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but so Scott, how do you? Okay. How do you? I just want to know about how how you feel about this this as a dilemma. It like, looks more like detention than than a, a bad movie. Okay. So yeah. okay, so that yeah, that's fine. We can go to the okay, other cool. one. Just um, looking at it, I'm like, I don't think I would enjoy this, but it does look like detention. Yeah. Okay. I think that's we fair. We can do the other one. All right. Like, oh, yeah. I made myself a bowl of oatmeal. Oh, and I have no raisins or brown sugar in the house. <laughs> mm-hmm. Damn it. Yeah, that was that was kind of where I felt. But I, and I think that perhaps there should be something that we can like take delight in ripping apart, as opposed to having to rip apart because our friends. I mean, unless Shaq is one of the voices, then you guys totally missed out. Oh my god! Note to self: You hear they're making a Space Jam too? Yeah, with LeBron James. Yeah, remember remember that quote for next time. Um, so what we chose was a movie from the eighties. All right. Late eighties. Late 80s, exactly. That's it. Um, based on a uh, a franchise popular with children. All right. Just still hit me with, with stuff I'm into so far. Yeah, exactly. Um, directed by a person you probably wouldn't necessarily know, uh, Rod Amato, but who has directed uh, episodes of uh, Dukes of Hazard, uh, Gilligan's Island, uh, Mr. Ed. So that like, not that's good. that's some painful pedigree right there. Well, I know, but it's still like it's it's kind of like I think like broad comedy that I think is like there's a bit of comedy pedigree. There's a bit, I think. Mr. Ed? Yeah. It sounds very south. It, Just some good old boys. Sure. Um I don't really know, you know. Is there anything else that you can There were trading cards. A whole lot of collectible trading cards. Were, yeah, oh my god, no. We're watching the Garbage Pails Kid movie. Yes, you are. Yeah. Oh damn. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was pulling back on the gar- on the trading cards. Uh, 
because it would this be too much. action movie. I know. I've seen it when I was a kid. Uh, I think I dragged my parents to watch it, and they were mad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And now, as a parent, you can be, too. Oh, no. It's like the, the bastard child of gremlins. And everything. Oh, man. The quality is so bad. Oh, you know? but, okay, but the, the thing gremlin is, costumes. So... All of there are seven garbage pail kids that come to life in the film, mm-hmm. which are all played by dwarf actors in animatronic costumes. Yep, <laughs> it's like the Ninja Turtles met early uh, Willow. No, like, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Man, I am really bad with names this week. Uh, Lloyd Kaufman, director of uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, uh, Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the Ninja Turtles. Directed by Peter Jackson, but like early, early Peter, Peter Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, not bad taste Peter Jackson. Yeah. Uh, th- however, and this is kind of interesting, it only took a million dollars to make. Well, every and made so much more than that. Not not so much more. It just like just scraped by at one point six million. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. With, that with... was an enormous like thing in yeah, the eighties. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Garbage Pail Kids were. Massive, I had them when I was a kid. Yeah. Massive franchise, yeah. but yeah, but but at the same time, didn't lose money. Like despite being, and, and it was, I guess, little Scots of the world dragging three people into the theater yeah. with them. Yeah. Like, Grab it, Bell Kid. <laughs> There's the gross one. Yep, they're yeah. all a gross one. Yeah. Um, do we want to watch the trailer so we can have like, Scott's little trailer reaction? Yeah, yeah, I haven't yeah. seen the trailer. Okay, let's do it. Right, right, right. How, do you, how, does, how does that grab you, Scott? Ooh, that looks bad. We care a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so they may not be pretty, but boy, do they make good friends is the best tagline they could come I, up I think with. it was the defunct Atlantic Entertainment Group I saw at the end of there. Possibly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, um, after I watch this, I'm going to have to call my mom and apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, the, I'm not sure if I... Watching it now, I'm not sure if I, I went to the theaters to watch it or forced her to rent it from the video store, mm-hmm. um, which also might be just as embarrassing because at some point you have to bring that movie back. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could do the anonymous drop. You know, they had the they had the slots. Sometimes you just. Oof, yeah. man. So, I think the lady that you think uh, is recognizable is Katie Barberi. Uh, who is most famous um, as, uh, from what you would know, because most of her films are uh, telenovelas, but she was the <laughs> economics student in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh! <laughs> That's a movie I've seen like a hundred times. Yeah. So. To be like, hey. <laughs> that, that, like, like the bored sleeping mm-hmm. one uh, during the um, Bueller, Bueller, Bueller shot. Like, it was like a one good shot of her. She's chewing gum with her head like slumped down on the desk. Possibly. I think that would be if you said board if you said economics student I'm sure yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's who it is. Economics means Ben Stein. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is also a little bit of tragedy. But that's also Christy Swanson, who's the other girl. Oh, you might be right. My best friend's sister's boyfriend's girlfriend said yeah. she saw Ferris with a pass out of thirty one flavors last night. He must be really sick. Other, yeah, I can pull that from memory. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one little sad sad note about this is that one. Um, <laughs> John Pound, the creator of the Garbage Pail Kids, is not credited in this film. Christ. Wow. I was like, what a skeezball move from freaking Tops. <laughs> Get out of here, chewing gum company. Like, you're not going to give credit to the dude. And, it's, and this isn't like ages after the fact, right? Like, this is four years after the Garbage Pail Kids debuted as a, like, as a thing. Property. He like, probably sold out. 
early on, and, and I'll bet. No, it's it. probably work for hire, and that's a thing that didn't come into sure. But you still yeah, see usually a lot of in a lot of these movies like based on the characters created by sure. Whatever. Not in the eighties though. Uh, Go back and watch Punisher, or Captain America. You do not see huh. Stanley, Jack Kirby on that. Crazy. The uh, only the only one who had it was Bob Kane. Who did oh, yeah, it for Batman. Yeah, but that that was and, that's and he had that stupid fucking contract that totally messed up Bill yeah. Finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob Kane drew a picture of Batman yeah. wearing red and yellow and like a stupid pointy mask, mm-hmm. and was like, "This is Batman. I'm going to create it." And he took it to Bill Finger, who then drew Made the Batman. first picture of Batman, which looks like yeah. Batman. And drew the first picture of Robin, and drew the first picture of the Joker and the Penguin and Catwoman. Yeah. yeah. Huh. And Bob Kane went to DC and had it contractually obligated that any appearance of the Batman, Batman in media has, has to be his name. Batman created by Bob Kane, mm-hmm. even though he was just the fucking worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a Tim Burton's name around Elm Street situation, not Nightmare Before Christmas situation. Right. right, right. Uh, so hang on, I just want to play a quick game for you. With you, with you guys. Cool. What is your um, tagline for the Garbage Pail Kids film based on the trailer you just saw? Like, movie poster. Movie poster. Write a movie poster tagline. Uh, they never lie. Thanks. Faith no more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we care a lot about the Garbage Pail Kids. We do. They never lie. Save the cabbage for the coleslaw. Oh, nice one. Because yeah. as we all know, the Garbage Pail Kids are a, a direct spoof on the Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes. Um... Actually, there's two two taglines okay. that are on the poster, uh, which neither of them appear in the trailer. <laughs> One of them <laughs> is out of the garbage pail and into your heart. Oh, there's going to be a movie with a lot of heart. I love it. Going to make so some excited. friends. Um, and the other one is a live action heap of fun. Like a heap of garbage? Yeah. Is that the connection but there? A heap of fun. Wow, also, it's fucking wordplay. And I mean, I'm sure we'll get more into this next week when uh, when Scott talks about it. But uh, from the trailer, the main character, Dodger, has like a hell of a fashion sense. Like he has like a fancy Michael Jackson jacket little, on one scene. Then he, has, like, then he has like an elastic bow tie on a t- over a t-shirt. Yep. And he appears to work for someone who's an actual wizard mm-hmm. who potentially gives life to the garbage pail kids. Wow. Uh, I, mean, I really... This movie looks worse than my memories. <laughs> question my development this is i was i'm glad you enjoy it as soon as i saw garbage pail kids i was like scott definitely had garbage pail. i didn't know you had seen it but I was like, I, i've seen the I was movie like, but like i've the seen cards. the movie either in theaters or immediately when it has a child yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. like at, at garbage pail kids not not older than 10 years old yeah i loved garbage pail kids like there was something i feel like what they tapped into as a like you was that you shouldn't have them because they were like gross out kind mm-hmm. of jokes. Like when you were there, you're like, oh man, like, I'm so, such a naughty little boy. Yeah, like, look at look at this dude. He's, he's co- farting. He's covered in snot. Yep. <laughs> you're like, ah. your parents are like, what are you looking at? You're like, nothing. And then Baseball they're like, card. let's look at that stupid shit. And you're like, yeah, my parents hate it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, that's, there was that, and there was like the spending... weird product ones that were gross outs. What do you mean? Like like spoofs of. Um, commercial products like uh, toothpaste jokes and I feel those are still garbage buckets. no there's something else but I it was done in the same art style right yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Just, just like snotty dotty and it's just a girl with just that's that's it like that's literally not... in a mountain larger than her of snot and yeah. you're as a kid you're like that's not gross snot <laughs> like, but that's it but I was like but as a kid then like who are, uh, John Pound creative garbage buckets just yeah. Tapped into the gross little monster inside of all of us, and then made us. The worst is if you remember this, 
Well, I just want Scott to, to yep, finish, this, finish this up before we, yeah, we end the thing. Yeah. Um, if you remember, and I always thought this was such a ripoff as a kid, how they would have multiple names on the same drawing. I don't know if you... I don't remember that There was two of, of each. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was so always... So there like, was like Snotty Scotty and then like Booger Bill. And it was the huh. same picture. It was the same picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even color, not even like palette swap. So that's the whole thing. It would be the same picture with a different character's name on they, it. They yep. would come two different puns for each picture in I the see. first few series. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which was always such a... I was like such a gross... Like, not gross, but I was like... I was like always like such a ripoff if you like... If you pulled the... If you pulled the double of one you already got. Because you're, yeah. you're in it for the art. Like the pun... You're like, I don't even think you appreciate the pun work. I mean, at six, can you? <laughs> can you appreciate puns? At that you don't age? know about wordplay. You're six. <laughs> exactly. Scott, help us out. Yep. Um, I have more. I can, I can wax poetic more about Garbage Pail Kids. Mad I, Magazine and Garbage Pail Kids, you guys. Wacky Packs was the name of Wacky Packs. Wacky Packs was the name of the other one that came out at the same time. Okay. Huh. And it was the... It was, just it was like, instead of um, puns about... Hygiene? Um, characters or like puns on names being gross. It was like making fun of actual products. So instead of Quaker Oats, it was Quacker Oats. Get your favorite duck oat flavors. Oh, I really didn't hmm. do it as, um, as garbage bag kids. <laughs> but the art, again, it was the art that sold it. The art was super okay. delicious. Sold, but like air quotes, right? No, I mean, uh, they, they looked nice. I like guess. There was lots of graphic design that went into those cards. Yeah. And those two things in like 1987. Yeah. Or what hit the the, the, the schoolyard hard? Everyone yeah. had to have them. Everyone had to trade them. Yeah, mm-hmm. as I said, it was. And it I was... can think now of me going to the Depener and asking for those to be purchased for the prestige of school and the the the, the feelings of my father being like, "You sure you don't want hockey cards?" <laughs> <laughs> oh no, my kid's gonna be the gross kid. Yeah, yeah. You're like, no, Dad, these are cool. These yeah. are cooler. I remember. I think that being being a little younger than my brother, I remember. I think I re- think I found his stack of garbage pail kids cards hmm. and was like, "What is this?" And like freaking out about it, right? Because like 1987, I was like four or five. Yeah, I like, found so- something in the back of your closet, and mom and dad are going to be really mad. Shit! 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 Oh, the garbage pail kids! Well, he made it as a plant. <laughs> he planted the stack of cards so that I wouldn't go deeper in. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's it. But it was like the op- uh, Mad Magazine was the other one that like occupied that same headspace where mm-hmm. you're like, you're, yeah. you're you're just like you're, you 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 felt like you should you shouldn't be allowed, even though they're like they're basically harmless. That's what it's written for. It's like exactly to to trip out those that age group. Yeah, Do exactly. you know how much I learned about seventies? American politics <laughs> from Mad because Magazine? because my uncles had a bunch of Mad Magazines kicking yeah, around my yeah. grandparents. I remember house. reading a lot of Mad Magazines in the '90s and whatever, and just like being like, "Who's Bill Clinton?" Like basically, like, <laughs> can you imagine just being like an eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid being like, "Man, Spiro Agnew is a ridiculous character." <laughs> <laughs> Gerald I, Ford falls down. I never a lot. read those for the articles. I read them for the Sergio Aragone or whatever his name was, who drew the little doodles yeah. all around the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. outside of the things. Those yeah. were always really funny. Yeah. I saw a guy Al Jaffe's folded. Oh, the folded throw is so mm-hmm. good. There's amazing. Or the like Mad does whatever. You'd have like Mad does Spaceballs and they'd have like a four four page like insert or something that was just them making fun of a movie. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. every now and then they would do one that made no sense for a child. Like Mad does mash. Like I, I, don't, I don't watch mash, mash when I was what is seven. This? What the yeah, fuck yeah, is going yeah, on? yeah, I yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in Mad magazine that I was like who is this for? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. It's all super lowbrow humor, and you're just like, 
but then you're like, okay, so I, I guess maybe throw in an article or two for dad. Like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. there's a mad magazine that gets left in a toilet and dad's like, hey, hey, hey mash. <laughs> 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 like, yeah. But yeah, I was, I saw a kid today uh, on the Metro, like literally this week reading a digital copy of mad. And it made me think, I was like, are oh, we still publishing? Wow. Yeah. They actually just relaunched their publishing. No maybe shit. that's why he was reading. Not uh, too, too long ago. And they were just like, we're, we got, we got way off. And we're we're going back to like what Mad was in the seventies. Cool, crazy. But it, 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 it looks a, it looks exactly like a classic issue of. But Mad even with the doodles on the margin, whatever. Like it was it was a kid. It was this is adorable because you mentioned the doodles on the margin. The uh, yeah, dragonus. Uh, yeah, the um, and it was like a kid was like reading it on his iPad, and the the dad like like leaned over and like like tapped on the corner to point out the little a little margin doodle. a little yeah. margin doodle, and I was Woo! like, aww. But yeah, nice. it certainly looked new. Hmm. Like I think there was like a like a Trump president kind of thing going on in there, whatever. So I mean, hey, maybe Mad yeah. Magazine's back. Maybe coming up next will be a gritty reboot of Garbage Pail Kids. <laughs> oh my God, is gritty a Garbage Pail Kid? Oh. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the Internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. <laughs> 9to5.cc. Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.